thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Show. You are listening to a very late episode, 237. And by late, I mean uh, it should have been out months ago. It should have been out a year ago is what should have happened because I am way behind. I'm, I'm, I have no excuse. I'm just a slacker. I, uh, I lack motivation, and uh, I've also been very busy. Um, as I've said on these intros in the past, uh, the spattered ones that I've done this past year and a half, I enjoy recording these live and uh, on location with a lot of the uh, talented, creative folks in and around Prescott and, well, the whole Southwest, actually, including the rest of this state and California and elsewhere, um, but with dealing with COVID, as, as we all have been doing, a lot of the live uh, performances that I, uh, that I cover and the artists that perform live have all been shelved and it's been difficult and it's, and then I just got lazy, but I made it out at 11 o'clock in the morning on, uh, this past Saturday to sit with the guests for episode 237, and I want to make sure I get it right, and I probably won't. Michael Pantaleone and Steve Stockmar. Michael is a new acquaintance of mine, uh, and Steve Stockmar I have known for quite some time, but the two of them teamed up to write the book, Yavapai Means Winning Soccer. That is available on Amazon. Yavapai means winning soccer. You can pick that up by clicking the uh, the Amazon link at milehighshow.com. And uh, what that does is takes you directly to Amazon, your login page for Amazon or Amazon Prime. Doesn't cost you anything extra, but uh, Amazon gives me a little kickback. Uh, for sending you their way. And then, of course, Michael and Steve Stockmar uh, will enjoy you buying their book and reading about it. And you know what? I, I, I'm i waiting for my copy. I ordered it this morning. And again, that is Yavapai Means Winning Soccer, Observations, Reflections, and History of the Yavapai College Men's Soccer Program is the full title. And Michael uh, Pantaleone was the head coach, the only coach for a number of years, a few decades at Yavapai College, which is a junior college, JUCO, here in uh, Prescott, Arizona. And he brought the program, the the inaugural season in the late 80s to Yavapai and took it over by storm. He he built the program from from nothing into a I think it was like their fourth year. They they won the uh, national championship and has been a powerhouse ever since. Now Michael has since retired and Steve Stockmar, who is a the co-writer here, is an old friend of mine. We worked together in local media here in Prescott. He was uh, the sports editor for a while at our paper and then he was the city editor for a while and had wore a lot of hats and different titles. Now he is writing for a publication down in the West Valley in the Phoenix area, the west side of the valley. And uh, he was up here this past week uh, meeting with Michael and uh, seeing some friends, and, uh, and I tapped him into sitting down with Michael to talk about their book, Yavapai Means Winning Soccer. Now, personally, I, I know nothing about soccer. I've covered soccer for years as a photographer and as a reporter, but uh, quite frankly, it's, uh, it baffles me. I don't understand anything. Uh, well, that's no surprise to you guys because well, I'm, I'm a dummy. But knowing nothing about soccer will not hinder me from enjoying this book when it finally arrives 
because it's not just the nuts and bolts of soccer, as you'll hear in today's episode. Mike and Steve explained how they put this book together and why. Not only does it chronicle the history of Yavapai College soccer program, but it really dives deep into the characters that built that program, the players, uh, the, the way Mike built the program around his coaching style and what was important for him to instill into these young men that played uh, under his, uh, his coach, coaching um, talents. Uh, and it, it, life lessons, character building, uh, some great lessons. It's a, a compilation of about 300 short stories, really, that built up this program. So don't be uh, don't be intimidated by uh, if you are not a soccer fan, uh, you will find some great uh, great information and great stories between the pages, between the covers. And if you are a soccer fan and you uh, can dive deep into the soccer philosophy, you will gain a lot out of this as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, We sat up at the patio at the Raven Cafe in Prescott. So thank you to the good folks at the Raven Cafe. You can find out information about them on social media, but their website is ravencafe.com. They are very active on Facebook with their uh, live music presentations, their specialty menus and things of that nature. It's a great venue. I love the Raven Cafe. Hey, if anybody from the Raven is listening, bring back that Thursday night spectacular. It was an open mic featuring music and comedy and spoken word and everything else that was a fantastic, fantastic evening, monthly evening of entertainment. The third Thursday spectacular at the Raven Cafe. Bring it back, Raven. It was a great night. I'd love to be able to get back on stage at the Raven and 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 uh, make people laugh if that's possible. So, um, also today's episode is brought to you by Bully Dog Coffee Company. My friend and neighbor Patrick, right down the street, is about to take his business mobile. The Bully Dog Coffee Company, found at BullyDogCoffeeCompany.com, are getting a mobile unit to uh, to deliver and and prepare and and uh, get their coffee in your mouth is what they're doing. Bully Dog Coffee Company is a great sponsor of this show. They also have uh, a great philosophy behind them. Uh, donating much of their proceeds to pit bull uh, rescue groups and uh, and uh, it's, it's just a good good group of folks that are helping Patrick out and Patrick himself is a is a very talented and interesting individual. Don't let him hear you say that though because uh, it'll go to his head. Uh, just kidding. Patrick's a good guy. Patrick Bowler, founder and uh, and owner of Bully Dog Coffee Company, getting mobile. Speaking of mobile, before we get to get to uh, this episode with Michael and Steve with their book, uh, Yavapai Means Winning Soccer, that is available on Amazon through the Amazon link at milehighshow.com. Before we get to that, just like Bully Dog Coffee, the Mile High Show, as we get back into the swing of things, will uh, be going more mobile than usual. And I'll get into that in a future episode. We got started recording it the other day. It's going to be a compilation of a couple of... Uh, verbal essays that I'm going to put together on my latest venture. Um, as you know, uh, if you listen to this show, we have what I call my mobile studio, which is my either van or pickup. 
Uh, but I, I, I record a lot of the intros in the car going to and from interviews, um, and we are going even more mobile. I spent this last, well, actually it started about uh, two months ago, month and a half ago. I won't get into the details right now, but uh, we obtained another quote-unquote vehicle that we will be recording episodes on, and then last weekend I obtained a another vehicle, quote-unquote, um, we'll get into that a little bit more on future episodes, but we will be taking the show live uh, with an, a small audience, some very unique musical presentations, and some um, mobile recording to a whole nother level very soon. Uh, so stick around. It, I know this is a little cryptic, but uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too soon. But uh, we have some big, big plans to take the Mile High Show mobile uh, if I don't kill myself in the process or find myself homeless. There's a good chance of that, too. You'll have to tune in to future episodes to find how my bringing the show mobile very well may end not only uh, my, my living situation, possibly my marriage, and uh, quite, uh, quite possibly ending my life. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to that in a future episode right now, brought to you by the good folks at the Raven Cafe who let us take up space on their rooftop patio, the Bully Dog Coffee Company, and, of course, our guests, Michael Pantaleone and Steve Stockmar, authors of Yavapine Means Winning Soccer. Sit back and enjoy the talk. Coffee, Steve. I got it from. Well, I, I didn't get it from here. Man. I'm sorry to say. So you're bringing food and beverage into a into a restaurant. I am. Yeah, yeah. Coffee. They're I didn't gonna know run us the, out of here and throw us throw you right over the edge. I didn't even know what time they were open. If they had a, I'm usually at the Raven at night, so I didn't know what the morning vibe was like. Yeah, you night owl. It's nice. They actually got a good breakfast here. Well, let, like I said, I'm gonna drop in a, an intro separately that I'll record after and we'll we'll definitely plug the book and where you can get it of course through the amazon link at milehighshow.com is the best place to get it but let's start mike introduce yourself please and tell us uh your role with with yavapai i understand are you retired currently i retired this past january and previous to that i uh, was the head soccer coach at Yavapai College uh, starting in 1988 88. until January of 2021. Um, started the program, actually, in nice. 1988. And Mike, your last name, please. Mike Pantaleone. Oh, that's going to be a big one. I'll have to Google that one to spell it right. And so 88, where, uh, well, let's get Steve in the mix here. Steve, you're, you, who you are and what you're currently doing and what you were doing when you got linked in with this project. Uh, Steve Stockmar, I've, I'm a journalist. This is actually my 25th year, community journalism. So you started when you were, what, seven? Something like that. <laughs> so <laughs> for uh, a good part of my career, I was here in Prescott with the Daily Courier and doing a lot of sports I'll coverage. I'll that out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Did a lot of sports coverage, and one of the biggest sports shows in town was the yeah. Yapai College soccer team because... It was success on a whole different level. 
And Mike's presentation of the program on a whole different level. It's like a sports information director. And yeah. as, a, as a reporter, you live for that kind of information. So I, I dove right into it. The, the, the difference between being able to get information and accurate information as opposed to pulling teeth to get the score of last night's game. I know I've had yeah. to go through that myself with, uh, with a lot of our local local coaches it's like you can't get a hold of them to get the info and then they complain because you're not covering them <laughs> yeah there's two sides of it i i know like uh they only have so many resources yeah. to do that kind of thing no let's uh, blame them but 100 uh, <laughs> blame the but co- if you no. get a coach a coach like mike um he i think he understands the wide angle lens of it like yeah. it's it helps us learn the story behind the players behind the team and the longevity of it and then i I just got hooked into it, and of course the winning was a great part yeah. of it, but I knew so much about it. I, I w- definitely want to get into that. Let's get a little background, though. Mike, you said you got uh, you took your position in 88 and started the program. What what was before that for you? Is that when you arrived in the area, or is it, was that your connection with the school, or both? No, prior to uh, 1988, I served time north of the 40th parallel in places like Philadelphia, where I grew up, and... And also, uh, besides coaching there, also coached in Missoula, Montana, Portland, Oregon, and Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I knew something was wrong in Green Bay when all the buildings were connected underground on the University of Wisconsin Green Bay campus. So uh, that prompted uh, my move to Arizona. Explain that. You're losing me there. What do you mean? They had more tunnels than Hogan's Heroes at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. And... Um, again, it's cold up there, and and, <laughs> and uh, it prompted me to, to come to Arizona. I was determined uh, um, to move down here, and again, uh, it uh, contributed to, uh, uh, I was aware of uh, all the schools and universities around the state, and uh, because I used to come down here for spring training baseball and vacation down here every March. Nice. Pittsburgh is your was your hometown? No, Philadelphia. F- Philly, How I'm dare sorry. You. Pennsylvania is what. <laughs> He's an Eagles fan and a Phillies fan. So is that born and raised there? Born and raised, yes. Always in a sports uh, environment for you? Has that been the, been your 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 motivation? Absolutely, absolutely. All all sports. Yeah. How how did soccer come into the uh, into the mix? Because traditionally, soccer is not quote-unquote, an American sport in most people's minds. Was it something you were involved in early on? or? Well, uh, I stumbled across the sport as a grade schooler, and I was wondering, what, you know, I was asking uh, some of the uh, guys, you know, what's going on over here, and they were telling me about the sport of soccer. So I ventured over to the field, and the coach said, if you want to play, just stand between uh, those uh, two posts and make sure the ball doesn't go by you. And quite simply, that's how I got started. And it, and it just so happened our, our great school team won every game. And and uh, yours truly posted a shutout, it seemed like, every time because I had 10 players in front of me that could, could flat out play. Nice, nice. Now, how, how active was the soccer scene uh, in your grade school days? What, what years are we talking about? We're talking in the late Philly. 60s. And, late and 60s it was, in Philly? Uh, if you can imagine this, all, all the grade schools had soccer teams. All the high schools had soccer teams. Really? And, and we're talking late 60s here. So, so uh, you know, I was there at the forefront and 
um, got involved in in coaching. Uh, my f- my first coaching job was uh, a welcome back Cotter affair when I went back to my old high school and <laughs> and I coached there for a couple years. So that's how it all started. Nice. Did, what, do you think in your in your travels in your extensive travels did was that more of a of a east coast thing because i grew up on the west coast a little bit after you not too much after you know early 70s and there was no soccer in the at least in the san francisco bay area other than you know wide world of sports catching your your, you know the highlights and pele and things like that 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 the world knew about but as far as the local angle there was really nothing on the west coast until late 70s early 80s did, what, do you know, or was that just my myopic view? Your optic view, because the uh, University of San Francisco, for example, had a dynamite NCAA nice. Division One program, uh, you know, uh, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. They were one of the first universities to actually have a soccer-specific stadium on campus. Oh, wow. I never claimed to be bright or observant, so <laughs> it's, it's bearing, bearing truth right now. So what what other than getting out of the the eight feet snow what what tempted you to to hit Prescott specifically as opposed to Phoenix Scottsdale something along those nature well I, I wrote to all the schools and this is pre-internet era so yeah. uh, uh, all the schools responded with a form letter thanks but no thanks but one individual actually wrote a personal note to me and that was Mrs. Lynn Merritt who was the current athletic director at the time of Yavapai College and she did that uh, I, I know specifically uh, in November of 1985 and, and that kind of opened the door because I kept in touch with her I was kind of a pest in a way and, <laughs> and kept in touch with her periodically just wanted to get updates hey when you going to start soccer and then also uh, informing her of my latest uh, developments. So soccer was not part of the program at all. You were the inaugural? Yes, I was the uh, the first coach. Um, the president at the time was Dr. Paul Walker and he, he wanted the sport on campus and, nice. and of course the athletic director Mrs. Merritt is the one that was kind enough to uh, uh, invite me for an interview and the rest is history. We, un, under your banner, you know, Yavapai is now known for soccer. They're obviously known for for a, a strong history in baseball as well. Was that was baseball kind of the 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 forefront when you arrived in the eighties? Well, again, there were national champions under Gary Ward in 1975-1977, so they had a rich history um, uh, for two decades prior to our yeah. arrival. Was did you? Did you were you welcomed with open arms with the soccer program when you arrived? You said some of the higher administration wanted it, but the general community, the student body, the rest of that were they were was it embracing or did you have to face some hurdles? Uh, the community certainly embraced it, nice. and it, it triggered. Uh, uh, the sport at Prescott High School shortly thereafter, oh, for nice. example. So again, it it, it uh, we we had terrific crowds at our games. Uh, again, uh, this was a small community yeah. back 30 years ago, uh, pre-internet. Emory Riddle Aeronautical University really didn't have a, a mm-hmm. feature athletic uh, department as they do right now. And and again, we were to show in a sense. Besides high school football yeah. on a Friday night, we were to show on Saturday night at Ken Lindley Field on Gurley Street. If you recall back then, they, they were cruising up and down the street like it's happy days, and and <laughs> and 
again, uh, many people stopped in to, to watch us, and, and we were entertaining. My philosophy was very simple. If I have to watch a st stupid soccer game for two hours, it better be <laughs> exciting. And, and our games were exciting. We scored a lot of goals. Nice. That's a, before my time. I arrived in this area from, like I said, the San Francisco Bay Area in 04, the tail end of 04. Steve, what, when did you hit this area? I got here in the fall of 96. 96. So, so you I jumped right into the fall sports scene. Nice. And among that was soccer. Yeah. Now, you, your, your hometown, Chicago? Chicago area. Yeah, that's where the I was Chicago born and raised. Area. And was this your first stop out of there, or where? What? 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 Uh, well, school what was, was between Chicago and here. School. Um, like I went to study journalism at NAU in Flagstaff. <laughs> ah, okay. And I was, that explains the flannel. Hey, I was hoping to get some cool weather up here. I live in Phoenix <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, but I, that was something coming from the Midwest of Chicago. You know, the big metropolitan to uh, Flagstaff with those mountains. Uh, that struck me, and it, it hasn't left me. So now, I was happy to settle here. Were you Chicago proper or uh, suburbs? What, what was Northwest suburbs? Yeah, yeah. We were about twenty-five miles from the city or so. Nice. Yeah. So the switch from uh, from the metro area to to NAU, obviously the geography. How was it as far as the the social uh, personality of a town going from uh, from a, a very metro Midwest working class to uh, to uh, 7, the mountain feet. community? Yeah. <laughs> It was amazing. I, I like to say I went to the University of Flagstaff, and NAU just happened to be there. It was, <laughs> it was a great community. I was at a great age for it. Uh, the scenery was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And what was this, like early 90s, 91-ish? 92. Fall 92? of 92 is when I entered there, and I went there for two years. I went to community college first. Glendale, yeah. a former longtime opponent of Yavapai, or uh -huh. current, I should say, but under Mike's era. Uh, so I went there for two years, then NAU for two years, and then eventually settled in Prescott shortly after yeah. graduation. Now, did you start right away with the Courier? Is that where you... I had a couple odd jobs, you know, as yeah. you're getting out of school, uh, yeah. but that was the first full-time newsroom job, yes. Which is an odd job in itself. Especially at the at the courier. <laughs> you know, those were some good days. Yeah. You know, like we keep talking about, you know, pre-internet. And uh, in those days, there was no Saturday edition of the paper. And so, like after you talked about high school football on Friday nights, there was no hustling out a story on deadline because there was yeah. no paper and there was no internet. It was, uh, you know, yeah. a, a lot more low maintenance in those days. What was in the, where was the newsroom then? Wasn't it right, right across the street yeah. from where we're sitting? Um, one... 47 North Cortez or something like that. Who was in the newsroom back then? Anybody that uh, that is still around? Tim Wieneranders. Yeah. He's still the editor currently. Um, he was there. Um, I can't remember what, you know, the titles come and go. Yeah. Um, of course, the beloved Karen Despain, who is, yeah, yeah. you know, we all, she was our, our the, the sun in our orbit. Yeah. So uh, she, she was my mentor from day one for sure. So it was a really good crew back then. Still is, I'm sure. Was, Hood wasn't there yet, was yeah. he? Or was he already? Tom Hood was okay, the photo Tom. editor. and For, uh, Former guest on this very uh, podcast. He was, uh, along with myself and Matt Hinshaw, uh, what had to have been the longest podcast ever. Uh, recorded at Barefoot Bob's in Prescott Valley that uh, it was probably four hours. We broke it up into three episodes. Jeez. And the bulk of it was, uh, I, I, and I didn't mention this to either of you beforehand, but I don't think it'll be an issue. I do this show radio friendly, so as far as language and, and things of that nature. 
And uh, so uh, anytime there is something non-radio friendly, I, I will typically bleep it out. But because with Hood and Hinshaw and myself, I exchanged the normal bleep with a uh, motor drive shutter click. <laughs> They're all photographers. So, yeah. so it's that whole episode basically sounded like you were in on the sidelines of uh, of the Super Bowl. It was just a constant. <laughs> That because been, both yeah. Tom and Matt are, are filthy mouth degenerates, yes, and uh, so we had to bleep out most of most of that episode. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was when Hood was moving Tom over was, to. Tom was definitely there, yeah, yeah at yeah. the in the time at the newsroom. Yeah, I met him and still friends with him to this day. So to both of you, uh, mid '90s for Steve and and mid late '80s for you, Mike. What what was the feel? What was the personality of Prescott? As I'm sitting here looking over your shoulders at at beautiful Thumb Butte. Um, what was the personality of, of the town back then? A- and how have you seen it change over the years? Well, it, it was simple. And, and life was simple. It, it was great. You know, people were friendly. Not that they're not now, but again, um, it, it just appeared that you knew everyone. But now, you know, times have changed. Yeah. Steve? Yeah, I would definitely go along with that. I mean, one of, one of my favorite things to, to cover in those days was uh, the Prescott High School football program because um, sitting up in the booth, whenever I cover football, I always walk the sidelines, so close to the action, mm-hmm. except Prescott is the only one. I would sit up in the booth because um, it was well, I, the old timers were up there. Uh, Wayne Howell, the longtime athletic director, you probably know. Uh, Eddie Villaborghi was the announcer. Larry Bender was the scoreboard operator. Norb Wiedepohl was up there. So just to sponge off the character they yeah. would bring to the scene was, that was my favorite thing to cover in those days. And that, in a nutshell, that's the answer. Those guys and that element. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. So as the, how, how was the soccer program at Yavapai the first few seasons what was what was the 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 building process like for you mike it was a lot of hard work and and uh left no stone unturned um heavily involved in the recruiting process uh essentially went uh, everywhere throughout the state of arizona tapped into uh las vegas um and and again uh kept my eyes open uh throughout the western states as well but uh, we were very fortunate in the early years. That first recruiting class was a collection of characters and clowns, and <laughs> and they uh, eventually won a national championship. Uh, so we had success right away, and and again uh, uh, to prove to people it wasn't a fluke, we won a, uh, our second national title shortly thereafter. So. Um, again, uh, 1990 and 1992 were national championship teams, and and uh, next thing you know, our, our players are moving on to schools like Indiana University mm-hmm. and and uh, all throughout this country. Uh, again, uh, recognizable names uh, where you don't have to get the Ram McNally map out to figure out where it's located. And and again, uh, we just had a lot of success early on, so it was a challenge actually year in year out to maintain that success because it's a re- Revolving door at the junior yeah. college ranks. Guys are coming and going. Yeah. Now the, the again the the obviously want to sit and I find it fascinating learning how people arrived at this area because for me this is a, a such a beautiful place to live, especially coming from places that aren't so great like I did. Uh, I know what brought me here. I always like to hear people's stories, so thank you for sharing that. But the real reason we're here is we want to let people know about this book. 
So how did the the germ idea of this come to you guys? What was the what was the process? Well, mostly Mike's story to and, tell. And when? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll just hand it off to Mike here in a minute. Uh, but he he approached earlier this year approached me about uh, just going over the history of the program because I, I, I like to tell Mike other than him. I don't know that there's anybody who knows as much about the program as, as I do because he produced every year this phenomenal media guide, every year. Yeah. It's the most unbelievable collection of statistics and information. I read it cover to cover. Um, so I, And it covered almost 100 games during its heyday. So I knew a lot about the program. So as soon as he talked about this project, I, it was right in my wheelhouse. Nice. He had the original idea, of course. Yeah, and the original idea really, Matt, was to... Uh, you know, uh, just put together a collection of stories. Um, uh, a lot of these stories are, are pretty funny. Some of them are informative. There are some stories that are serious, but it's a collection over over 300 stories co covering a comprehensive range of topics. And it's just my observations and reflections and the history of the Abapai College men's soccer program over the past 30 years. So this covers the entire gambit of your time. Now, and before. Yeah. yeah, my 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 brain is not as as we mentioned earlier not the the sharpest tool in the, in the box. A lot of times when I you know sit and talk with friends, family members, I had a buddy of mine a couple of weeks ago that uh, I've known since sixth grade that came through town and we spent the weekend. And in the course of our conversations, things that I completely forgot about road trips we had done through and after high school that I completely was shocked that I was involved in and then little by little they start popping back in my brain is there anything in this book that once you started the research once you started putting pen to paper that really jumped out at you as as things that maybe you had forgotten about or or individuals that that really jump out at you that uh, kind of the to wet the reader's appetite well Contrary to a lot what maybe some folks may think, I didn't take any notes during my uh, <laughs> coaching days and so forth. We pretty much uh, put this book together in April and May. And um, again, the when you're invested so much in the program and passionate about uh, what you were doing for the past 30 years, you do recall a lot yeah. of things. Now, it did help that Yavapai College had a spring season under a new coach because I sat uh, actually on Gurley Street on the other side of the fence because I didn't want to be a shadow. And I watched uh, the game, the spring games at that time. And uh, I was just jotting down some notes uh, as I, and recalling some things as they occurred uh, on that particular yeah. evening. So, but again, Again, it's you know when you're invested and passionate about what you were doing, uh, you do remember, and you certainly remember the people that made it all possible. You know the people that brought me here, the people that supported us, and of course, let's not forget what it's all about. It's about the players, yeah. the, the student athletes made it happen. So there, there's so many uh, stories because we had fun. You know, to me, it was never a job; it was a hobby, um, and they actually paid me for it. You know, and 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 again, it was. It, it was just a lot of fun being uh, around with quality young men, and we always did our best to recruit good people, not just good players. Yeah, your recruiting, as you'd mentioned, was was pretty expansive as far as the areas that you were looking, wherever you can find good talent and good individuals. Um, the the local scene, especially youth and and some of the high school programs, uh, 
have been getting better and better, stronger and stronger over the years. Any 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 local uh, local product that in the book or oh of course uh, you know we we've we've had locals on the team every year yeah. you know whether they're from Prescott High Bradshaw Mountain Chino Valley uh, we even had a player from Kestrel High School now yeah. now defunct school um, off of Washington Avenue so uh, we. You know, again, it, it makes reference to uh, so many former players, uh, both locally, some of our international players, and uh, as well as our Arizona young uh, men. You know, I, th- speaking of that, and I'll say uh, on Mike's behalf, uh, you know, junior college is a lot of international players mm-hmm. on certain teams, big time programs. What the 1990, the first champion? By the way, they won the national championship in their 39th ever game. If you can wow. imagine that, 39. Uh, but I. Mike, there were like 20-some Arizona kids on that team. I mean, that's nice. unheard of in that tournament, especially. So that was a, 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 a real yeah, coming I out mean, party. I mean, you know, I tried to do my best, uh, you know, to recruit players with zip codes, and, and that means Americans. And, and we had one or two internationals on yeah. every team, um, you know, which added to the flavor. Uh, but we didn't go crazy like uh, some of these other schools across the country that would have, let's say, uh, 22 internationals on a squad, which tells me this. That means... Means eleven players traveled halfway around the world to sit on a bench. Yeah, you know if you're going to bring 22 internationals in. So you know again, our our focus was always we start local, um, hit the state, um, and then hit the western states. And if there's any holes anywhere, then we'll plug them yeah. in with an international player. I, I've had the opportunity to work with uh, over the years uh, Jim Clark out of Chino, yeah. and I got a chance to see him last week, the week before. The Chino High um, Hall of Fame, Athletic Hall of Fame induction. They inducted his championship team in. So I, I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. He's Phenomenal since guy. retired. I covered that really great guy. Too, yeah. yeah, and uh, some of his players have come up through here, and 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 I think a couple landed at Embry as well over the years. Uh, but it's always nice to see when somebody local can continue with not only their education, which is great but also with their passion, whether it be soccer, baseball, whatever they're, they're choosing to do uh, in, in the same area, the same Quad City area, and continue that fan base and the family support. Because a lot of times, you know, as you know, Steve, you traveled halfway across the country for your college. Um, when, when, especially in the athletic fields, when a player can still continue at that next level or that second level, third level, and their families can still come by and be in the stands and still support them on a day-to-day basis like uh, like some of our locals do. It's really nice to see. You know, one thing about Mike's recruiting process, and I think the thing I was happiest to lend to this book is Mike is a the most modest guy you'll find. And he, ne- I mean, for all those years covering the program, he's always, it's a player sport. It, it, it always takes himself out of the situation. Um, so I was happy to sort of brag for him if I could because I think it's a body work that's second to none really in the collegiate sports world Um, but one thing I learned you know I knew a lot about the program uh, and I never knew until this project was Mike never gave correct me if I'm wrong like no had no scholarships for the players or partial scholarships I mean that's incredible especially when you think of the talented players that came through here you think they're the, the best around and they get the full ride and everybody's after them. I, I was amazed at that because he wanted to make sure these guys were in it for the right reasons. I mean, all the players, the All-Americans, 
players who went on to play professionally or in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, no, none of them had a scholarship. Is that that? No, none of them had a full ride scholarship. Full ride. Uh, my, my philosophy was to uh, always uh, give out partials, if that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of young men that uh, were not on uh, on scholarships. So there's only so much money to uh, yeah. spread around. But I try to do my best to spread around for a couple reasons. One is to uh, add some depth to the roster, have some quality players on the back end of the roster. But also I wanted uh, the families and the players to be invested in the program. Uh, because if, yeah. you, if you give a full ride, then next thing you're going to have to do is shine their shoes. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, again, uh, if they did receive a full ride, it, it was a combination of things. Let's say yeah. a Pell Grant or the academic uh, or an academic scholarship or the Rotary, Rotary Club scholarship from their hometown or yeah. something to that effect. So they're so. doing the work anyway. There was nothing served on a silver platter. Yeah. Absolutely. Phenomenal. I was fascinated to learn that. O over the years, was there anybody that, uh, you know, when you're in the in the process of tryouts and, and in the early stages of, of, of working with them, you kind of shook your head and said, ah, it's probably not going to make a problem, and then just really blew your socks away? Is there anybody that uh, just really surprised you with their, whether it be the level of talent or level of commitment? Well, again, you're just trying to provide an opportunity for young men. Um, some take uh, more advantage of it than others, and, and some are late bloomers as well. Sometimes we have the young men. Uh, for two years, and then all of a sudden they shine at a four-year school uh, because you know they left all their mistakes in Prescott. <laughs> so, so again, uh, it, you know, uh, a lot of things happen. By the way, I'm not a fan of tryouts uh, be, because gotcha. um, you know I rather see the person play in their environment uh, with their with, with their team, and I want to see them go through adversity as well firsthand. And and to me, um, there's certain type of players and. And, you know, how they respond to adversity to me is very important as well. One of my favorite stories in the book is Maurice Hughes. I watched Maurice Hughes on a Friday night in San Diego. And, and you know, um, his team was terrible. He was a goal scorer. He did not score that night. His team was terrible. And, and I think a lot of coaches walked away from him uh -huh. because there was no results. And, and I looked at the young man. This guy's a fighter. This guy's a winner. You know, and... and you know, we ended up selecting him. He was an All-American, led us to two national championships. And, and uh, again, you know, there's so many success stories out there. It's all um, in the book because there's a, uh, a lot of young men came from nothing. And, and uh, this Yavapai College soccer program, in a sense, saved their lives on, on some of them. And, and, and again, we're just trying to pro provide a window of opportunity. And, and a lot of these uh, players took full advantage of it. Nice. Any uh, you'd mentioned the characters, the the fun, the enjoyment of the program and of the players, and and obviously working with the staff and the coaching staff. Any uh, who who coaching who, staff. who coaching the, staff? We're chuckling when you say coaching staff. Mike was a one man was show. It? Oh, for, oh no no, I was a one man show for, for the first four years of the program, and then I, I brought you know I was the Lone Ranger at the, you know for the first four years, and then uh, Hugh Bell. Um, was uh, my one and only assistant. Uh, he was part-time. Oh, he was part-time until 2017 and, and uh, finally gained full-time status at, the, at that moment. But it, it was essentially a two-man show yeah. uh, during that time uh, frame. So, uh, you know, 
I, we didn't want an entourage. We don't, you know, we don't need about seven, eight coaches like some college programs yeah. where, you know, seven or eight different messages are sent to a player. We, we want them to know, you know, we want to keep matters simple and let them know who's in charge. Know who's in charge, keep it simple, and let them concentrate on what's going on on the field. So any, any, uh, any uh, who's the biggest character that you coached? Oh, man, I, I would answer. If the Go. years I saw Kevin Jeffrey. Uh, was he from Trinidad, Kevin Jeffrey? Trinidad, Trinidad Tobago, Tobago, yes. He was a charismatic guy. I, of all things, he had these sparkly shoes. And because he, <laughs> he was always handling the ball, he was, you, you couldn't take your eyes off him. He was fast and all that. I, the other team thought that, too, so they marked him a lot. But he was fun to watch, always smiling. And that was... Of all the teams I saw, that 97 team was my favorite. They won the title, of course. Yeah. Uh, but they had Kevin from Trinidad and Tobago. Kelvin Jack, the goalie, was also from Trinidad and Tobago. He was a huge, phenomenal All-American player. Matt Kirkpatrick from England. And then a bunch of Arizona guys yeah. in the mix. And it was just one of those blends, ensembles, that everything they did worked. And it was entertaining as heck to watch, too. Yeah, it did. that was the year I did a sabbatical, in a sense, because when your best three players... Uh, are your three to three hardest working players? It sure makes life easy for the coaching staff. Um, <laughs> the staff and, and, of one. And and again, the um, what was interesting, uh, they they brought a different dyna dynamic to the table. Uh, Kevin Jeffrey uh, wanted everybody to play with passion and desire. Uh, Matt Kirkpatrick wanted everybody to play with intelligence, and 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 Calvin Jack wanted everybody to be professional in their approach and and it, it was such a nice compliment we went undefeated that season in 1997 and and when you win a national semifinal three to nothing in a national championship game three to nothing that was truly a special team nice what a good balance of the of the the different feels the different philosophies one of my too. favorite stories in the book was you were talking about the community of prescott at the time and introducing soccer mm -hmm. you know this I mean, what would you call Prescott? Is it a rodeo town? Because it's, it's got the rodeo yeah. tradition. Obviously, high school football is huge, but I don't know if there's a, a sport you would associate yeah. with the town, certainly at that time. Um, and Mike was so aware of that. The first ever home game here at Kenley Field, right down the street from where we're sitting, uh, was it Victor Valley? Was that the game? He, he, yeah, he no, it was story. Victor Valley Community College out of California, and we invited over. It was guaranteed win night, and and uh, we essentially said, "Don't come back if we don't win." <laughs> and and uh, but you know the the young men associated with the program that the, during that time they went to all the businesses, they went to every girl in town, they they went everywhere and passing out pocket schedules, encouraging people to come to the games, and we had a terrific crowd. Great. And and I tried to do my part and and do whatever you know i invited the eight cheerleaders on the basketball team to <laughs> to come to the game and cheer on the touchline I, I i went to the music department and we had a five-man dixieland band you know playing anything that brought people to yeah. the game and and on guarantee win night we won 13 to nothing Which, <laughs> soccer that's like and, and that's the, 30 to nothing yeah. in baseball and, and the, the next evening what was interesting is uh, we again another home game at kenlinley field uh, we be play barstow uh, community College out of California won six to nothing. Now we don't give post game speeches after the game, win or lose. Um, so the crowd comes right onto the field, and and uh, you know um, the players are yeah. um, gathering around with their friends and family and 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 supporters. And I remember uh, somebody approaching me, "Hey, coach, you you only scored six goals tonight. What happened?" <laughs> 
from 13 yeah. the first night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that so was, it was an education, you yeah. know, for, for the community. And uh, we went out there, did a lot of camps and clinics and workshops for both youth and adults. And you talk about Jim Clark earlier in the show. Jim was part of the, one of our first presentations for coaches. Uh, he was in attendance. And, and um, you know, again, we supported his program. They supported ours. And uh, between us, there's so many championships as a result of, uh, you know, having a, a, a good approach and letting players play the game. I mean, that, that's an example of Mike's just keen awareness of not only the team. I mean, that win-loss record speaks for itself, but getting a community involved. Yeah. It's, it's something that's easy to take for granted because he's so behind the scenes and quiet about it, which I think is the value of this book. Uh, but things like another thing I learned, Mike, um, considering like the longtime fans will know that the start times are Saturday at 6 p.m. There was a reason for that. What was that reason for the? Well, when I first arrived here, um, I was single at the time. And, and my first uh, day at Yavapai College was 8 1988, and mm. uh, August 8th. And, and when I went back to the uh, to your apartment right off of Gurley Street, um, you know, it, it was the 80s. So, I, hey, I went to the mall. You know, after uh, after my day, and I get to the mall, uh, which was located on the north side of town, and they're closing the doors at 5:30. I'm like, what the heck kind of town is this? You know, and and they're, they're shutting doors on me at 5:30 and so forth. So, so I, I I figured this town needed some entertainment in yeah. a sense. So we decided on a six o'clock start time because I know that way the sidewalks would roll up at eight o'clock. Yeah. Fascinating. And then you go and they were incredible attendance at yeah. some games. How 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 did that change over the years? I mean, you know, with so many options for entertainment and, and uh, ava sports availability through everything from, you know, cable TV to now streaming and, and satellite radio and everything else. How has the support for the program changed over the years? Have you seen well, it wane my, a little bit, or is it? Well, in my later years of coaching, I, I only can speak of that. I can't speak yeah. of the current situation, but my later years of coaching, you know, the the, the crowd was wise. Uh, they they knew when the good games were, gotcha. and, and uh, uh, they knew when uh, the serious match ma matchups were, and and uh, they 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 still supported us in, in droves. If you're playing, let's say, an inferior team on a Tuesday night well maybe there's better things to do <laughs> there was i mean there were great yeah. fans like uh i think is that the north side of the stadium where the skate park is now yeah there were before that skate park was there there would be the fans who would pull up and i, I think this also got out of they didn't have to buy a ticket at the gate <laughs> but they would get chairs on a pickup truck and they yeah. would watch from behind the goal i mean that was that was there were loyal fans it yeah it made part it just added you know you know there were so many loyal fans and, and it's addressed in the book you know uh, specific individuals uh that you know i could see them walking into the gate let's say half hour before kickoff and i would tell a player hey see that guy uh mark my words he'll be sitting right over there a specific seat and uh, and again you had the same people sitting in the same areas for years which was yeah. great to see and you I, met oh go ahead well Steve, i was go gonna ahead. say i think one of the for me, one of the great characters of the program is Kendon Lee Field. Yeah. I know there's a yin and the yang with that because it was unfortunate they didn't have a field on campus. That's unheard of, really, to say nothing of the success. Uh, but one of the only collegiate 
programs you'll find that doesn't have its own facility on campus. But on the other hand, you get this gem of a historic stadium right downtown. Yeah. It's like a gathering spot, and it's yeah. has a great history, including sports history. Uh, so that was I, I loved going to Kenley Field for those games. Yeah, we turned a negative into a positive. Basically, you know, said being the college team, we decided to be the community's team, and yeah. and again, it Kenley Field, uh, we won ninety five percent of our matches there. Uh, it, it was kind of like Fenway Park. It yeah. had it had its quirks. You know, um, it was like the old North American Soccer League. You had to deal with an infield or or the Oakland Raiders. Some folks may remember. It's like what yeah. is an infield doing in the middle of the <laughs> of the field? So so. We used that negative to our advantage, and 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 again, um, you know, again between the support of our community, being a mile high city, the quirks of Ken Lindley Field, it was truly a hold of, uh, uh, truly a home field advantage. But let's not forget one thing: we had players, and yeah. that's what it's all about. And they're all mentioned in the book. Give us the title of the book. I'll have it in the intro, but tell us again what it is. Uh, it's called Yabapai Means Winning Soccer, and and that was. Uh, that was derived from uh, the recruiting process in the early years, um, uh, because when I went down to Phoenix in the late 80s or in Las Vegas and so forth, um, sadly, a lot of people didn't know about Yavapai yeah. College, and and uh, certainly the soccer community didn't. So I, I you know, they would ask me, uh, what, 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 yeah, Yavapi, what are you talking about? And I would say, no, it's Yavapai. It's a Native American word that means winning soccer, and 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 the players and the parents bought it, and. Uh, you know, as time went on, I, you know, I didn't have to use it because, yeah. you know, we were fortunate enough to win. And uh, what, what do you what do you anticipate or what do you hope in this do, this book does for uh, for the the program in general? You think it'll be a nice, uh, nice little spotlight? What I, I mean, there's lots of messages in it for sure. And every story, it's a collection of short stories. I think we said that it's over yeah. 300 short stories. So it's a it's a good pace to read you never get overwhelmed it's it's a short story and it moves on and, and they're you, broken up into chapters that re, they relate to each other and you can be a knucklehead like me and know nothing about soccer and be entertained and informed by the personal stories of the program the players and the personalities absolutely sure. absolutely yeah. there's a lot of messages in there you know uh, that go beyond the sport of soccer a lot of lifetime messages and and on, on just how to handle and manage a program it doesn't have to be a sports program it's it talks about a lot of re, you know how to have re good re solid relationships with people a, as well and and uh, so there's a lot of messages that uh, people could you know, perhaps take away and bring it to their business, or or mm -hmm. or, or bring it to a, to another sport. Nice. And the junior college athletics don't get the attention that they deserve, I think. Uh, and it's a great league. It's a great NJCAA. is very competitive. It's it's a wonderful advertisement for junior college athletics. I don't know of any that has this kind of run of success like ever. And really. Speaking of success. You you guys reached a nice little milestone this week when it came out. What what was that? You you had posted something on that, Steve? Yeah, it was. It felt great. It just felt. What, great. what did it reach though? What you? Oh, the current standings. Yeah. Um, standings. Like we're looking at the yeah. sports page. Uh, it was. Let me think. It 
Under, as, in terms of soccer, Steve, coaching. just get to the point. It was number one it was in number uh, one all over the world. <laughs> no, it's going to be made into a movie. No thanks to your brother, evidently, who didn't buy it yet. Didn't you know, get he was, it yet. He was, <laughs> he was Joe. He's been a wise guy. He said it, it was number one on the uh, soccer coaching books on Amazon, and he said he mistakenly bought the one that was number two. So. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a digital format too, and that was number three. So very nice. People available be, through Amazon. Are you selling it locally as well? Are there hard copies available? Well, I'm trying to get the bookstores uh, to to sell it locally, but right now the best venture is to go through Amazon. Amazon, do we have a link at the college site for it yet, or you guys? Uh, I don't work at the college. I'm retired. (laughs) I'm I'm retired, but you can get it through MileHighShow.com. Big, big button right on the homepage to the Amazon link. So for those of you that don't know, like Matt Hinshaw, who buys everything and never uses my link through Amazon. Uh, what it does is Amazon does not add any cost to your purchase. You log in just like you normally do through Amazon or Amazon Prime by hitting that link. But then Amazon gives us a little taste. We get to wet our beak a little bit every month by people using that link. So pick it up. Again, Yavapai means winning soccer. Pick it up, not just for the soccer fans out there, but for uh, for anybody who wants to, to get a little insight into some personalities, into the program, into the players. Well, I want to thank you guys for sitting down before we wrap. This is something we had started. I had started, and then I keep forgetting to do it, but it's in my head now, so I'm going to do it now. Is a couple of questions I ask. I'm trying to ask all of my guests, and we'll start with you, Mike. And then that'll give Steve a chance to think about it. Well, let's flip that. Mike, you think about it. I'm going to ask okay. Steve. I'm going to put it. Okay, they're making a movie about your life, Steve. First off, who plays the leading role? Oh, my gosh. Well, pretty much my whole life I've been told I resemble Jerry Seinfeld. So. <laughs> <laughs> or Ray Romano. And that Ray. Everybody loves Ray. So one of those guys probably. Okay, now what genre movie is it? Genre? I'm a sucker for documentaries. Documentaries, Somehow so like I, a I, biopic type of thing, I'm, more more, more, more fact-based, not sci-fi? I'm more sci-fi. into nonfiction than gotcha. fiction. Gotcha, okay. So. What's the soundtrack like? Oh, man. Jam band music. <laughs> 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 One song by the Grateful Dead playing the whole two-hour movie. And what's it rated? <laughs> I'll go PG-13, yeah. PG-13. I'm, I'm pretty squeaky clean, but yeah. All right, Mike. Who plays you in the Mike story? Uh, daytime, Dan Aykroyd. Nighttime, John Bellucci. <laughs> I have man after that's my own answer. art. All, All three right. of us are what's, Blues Brothers what's fanatics. What's the genre? What kind of movie is it? Uh, there's a musical theme to it, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm not referencing the Blues Brothers or anything like that. But, you know, again, it's it's a musical theme with blues in it. Blues in it. All right. And what's it rated? Oh, it's it's, it's got to be G. G, all right, I like that. It's got to be G because, uh, again, um, you know, like the sport of soccer at Ken Lindley Field, for example, we want more than just close friends and relatives coming to our games. And we were always... uh, um, got the youngsters involved, and and uh, y- you know we made sure they came to the G-rated games. We had some, uh, <laughs> we had some other games were a little bit uh, not G-rated. Let me, yeah. So so we we made sure that youth soccer night was always on a G G night. Nice, Steve. Gr- best sports movie ever. What is it for you? Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Yeah, I think that's yeah. some of the best writing of all time. That script. How about you, Mike? 
Wow, you know, there's so many good ones. I don't even know where to begin, really. Um, I, I'll, I'll take something. Give me a few. No, I'll just take something totally out of left field. People totally forgot about and so forth, and and uh, that would be victory. Victory. Ooh, Sylvester Stallone. Soccer movie, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, soccer that's movie. That's right. Yeah. I have to revisit that one. I remember liking it, but I don't remember anything about it. It's a great halftime. Uh, that's all I'm going to say to folks. It's a it's a tremendous halftime. Great. I got some homework to do. I, I do, and uh, when homework involves me sitting on the couch, that's <laughs> yeah, the homework I can accomplish. Again, the book title is "Winning Mean." Well, Yavapai means winning soccer. Available at Amazon. Use that Amazon link at MileHighShow.com. Mike, Steve, thank you so much. Thank you to the good folks at the Raven for letting us take up space and not selling Steve coffee because he <laughs> oh. went to. A large chain Ashamed of with a green logo. I have given Raven Cafe so much <laughs> money over my life. Last night. Last night. I was right over there. So we'll call it even. Gentlemen, thank you so much again. Thank you to the Raven and thank you to Prescott for providing us such a beautiful atmosphere and a beautiful morning to sit down.